0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: I own it, I didn't, not proud. Welcome to the Bubble Hour, where real people tell real stories of addiction and recovery. My name is Catherine, and I'm joined tonight by my co-hosts, Amanda and Jean. Hi, ladies. How are you? Hi, Catherine. Hi, Catherine. It's great. Nice to hear you both. So we're calling tonight's episode, Strength in Numbers, How Community Helps Us Stay Sober. It's something we're always talking about in the bubble hour, and we know that there are people out there who want to get sober, but who have the urge to get sober alone. It's very common to think, I can do this myself, but the solo route is a difficult one. At worst, it may set us up for relapse, and at best, it's a lonely road to hoe. Building a network of sober friends is one of the great joys of recovery, and community helps us stay sober. And we're joined tonight by some rock stars of the recovery world who have dedicated themselves to the building and celebration of sober communities. Don Nickel of She Recovers and Anne Marie McCullough of Faces and Voices of Recovery Canada. Welcome, Dawn and Anne Marie.
2: Thank you. Thanks so much.
1: So Amanda, pleasure. why don't you kick us off
3: by introducing our guests? Absolutely, my pleasure. So tonight we have Dr. Don Nickel. Uh, um, who followed her passion to help women recover their lives and pursue their passions after an unexpected job loss in 2011. Dawn has been in recovery since 1987 and completed her Crossroads Recovery Coach, Coaching training in 2013. In addition to her work in the Health and Social Policy Research Consultancy, Dawn offers recovery coaching services on a part-time basis. She Recovers offers recovery and self-care retreats in Mexico, complete with recovery yoga taught by Don's daughter. The website is www.sherecovers.co. And then we also have Anne Marie McCullough, who is a co-founder of Faces and Voices of Recovery Canada, a certified project manager with over 20 years' experience in a variety of roles within the healthcare and IT sectors. She now works as the national marketing director at the Edgewood Health Network. Anne-Marie has been in recovery since 2008 and is a co-founder of Recovery Day Canada. It's fitting to have Anne-Marie here today since September is Recovery Month in both U.S. and Canada. The website for Recovery Day Canada is www.recoveryday.ca, and we'll give these websites again at the end of the show. Thanks,
1: Amanda. And I, I didn't even realize when sort of putting together the whole show that Dawn and Anne Marie um, had met actually via She Recovers. So I, I love all of these intersections um, in our community. So, Dawn, let's start with you. She Recovers is described on your website like this We are strong and courageous women, and we do recover. We recover from addiction, alcoholism, mental illness, depression cancer and other chronic illness, codependency, burnout, trauma, grief, our childhoods, losing our jobs, homes, or marriages. And sometimes we recover on a beach. The the retreats have the tagline, she does recover, but she doesn't do it alone. And that fits right into the theme of this episode. So Dawn, how did She Recovers get started?
2: Oh, my goodness. Um, Thank you very much, and it's such a pleasure to be here again. Um, She Recovers actually started out as a Facebook page, and it was uh, in 2011 when I ended up actually in rather a workaholic mode rather than, um, you know, I hadn't used substances for quite a number of years, but I was using work as a means to escape my feelings, um, Mm. and uh, I, I took some time off of work. For about four months, actually, I was on stress leave, and I just did some re-examining of my life and trying to figure out what it was I wanted to do with it. At that time, I started blogging, so I, I had a blog called um, I haven't blogged for so long, called Recovering Dawn. And when I went back to work after four months, I realized that I wasn't going to be able to blog daily and work all day, since I'd spent four months figuring out how not to do too much. I needed to um, find some more balance, but I had already started making a connection with women through my blog, and I think Jean will talk, you know, Jean talks about the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to somehow maintain that kind of connection that I was making with other women who were just kind of, uh, either what I was saying was resonating with them, or, you know, they'd come back and give me some information or an idea that I hadn't thought about. So, um, you know, I had a Facebook account, just a personal one at that time, and I thought, well, it probably be easier if I just posted a Facebook poster or post or meme or, you know, just said how I was doing, or, you know, maybe posted a resource uh, on Facebook, and that way I didn't have to give up what I had already started to really kind of benefit from having, which was this online community of women in recovery, mostly women in recovery from alcoholism and addiction, but, uh, you know, I, I like to say we're all recovering from something, so She Recovers doesn't discriminate. Everybody's welcome to hang out with us and uh, share their experiences, so so I started the Facebook page, and... Um, you know, it started to grow. Like, it it just astonished me that women were kind of finding me because I wasn't doing anything to promote it. It was just, um, it was like part of my meditation practice every day was to kind of cruise out on Facebook and see if there was anything inspirational that I thought I, you know, that I was interested in and and would share. But um, it started to grow. And uh, after being back at my job for a couple of months, I got laid off, which was perfect. I'm glad that I got laid off after I had realized it wasn't my entire life. Uh, and I had some time to think about things and decided that my daughter and I and a very dear friend of mine who um, some of the women on the call know, Sharon Lee, who lives in Mexico. So Taryn, Sharon Lee and I decided we would try this thing called a retreat for women in recovery. Uh, my daughter is trains to teach um trauma informed yoga for recovery so it seemed like a no brainer for us and so i started the website at that time and i have to say the website is kind of secondary to the facebook page um i it was fun for me yesterday or this morning to wake up to realize that the facebook page had tipped over to more than 50,000 fans just this morning Wow. Um, it's quite an yeah, it's quite an active community, and I you know I get a lot of messages, private messages from women who are struggling, and and I try to provide support um, primarily in in the way of um, directing them to resources in their communities, um, but also give them some attention and love and support. So so yeah, so she recovers just kind of turned into this Facebook page that I'm slightly addicted to. I love it. I love the community.
3: Um,
2: <laughs> you know, I love having somebody come on there and say you know I've been on this page since. Since you started it, and I now have nine months sober or clean, and yeah. uh, you know the retreats have just grown so that we've we' we'll be holding our fourth retreat in Mexico in November, and we held our first local retreat here on beautiful salt Spring Island, um just between Victoria and Vancouver, British Columbia in august, and we've uh, we're going to do that again next year, so yeah it's just it's just become this like I love the topic of community. Um, I really do. I think there is strength in numbers. And I think the most amazing thing that I've learned in my own kind of building an online community is that you can be wherever you want or need to be in your own journey into recovery or in recovery or contemplating recovery. Um, Online is a pretty anonymous safe space if you want it to be. And so Mm -hmm. um, I I think that we we haven't yet uncovered the power of um, online technology as much as we're going to in the next five or ten years, you know just the benefits of it and uh so yeah, I mean, I could go on and on forever, but I'm going to stop now <laughs> yeah now. i mean there
1: this is catherine there's there's so much there the you know the role of social media in recovery, I know mm-hmm. that was that was part of my story where i I used to pour a big glass of wine and I would read um recovery blogs, including our sister um blog she uh, crying out now Mm -hmm. uh, I I used to read that and I secretly bookmarked it in some hidden place as if somebody was like trolling my bookmarks you know I don't know who (laughs) I thought would find this um, and why they would care but you know that's that's where I was and that went on for a few years and then the day I got sober I said now what on earth was that blog and I went and found the bookmark and I knew that that had a link to an online community and I posted there and it it was, and I got immediate feedback, which was really valuable for me to kind of kick off my journey rather than, you know, or even just trying to figure out, am I an alcoholic or, you know, what should I be thinking about? You can find this information online. Yeah, That's amazing. Um, And I know, Jean, you attended a She Recovers retreat a few months ago. Can you tell us about your experience? Oh, I did attend a retreat, and I could take the whole next hour telling you how amazing (laughs) it was. So I've had to write down a few things just to keep me on track. First of all, I think the listeners can just tell from Dawn's voice that she is an amazing, warm, Giving, wise, kind, knowledgeable, loving, loving soul, and she has yeah. such a heart for bringing out the best in the people that that cross her path every day. And so I just feel like she was a real angel, just sent into my life because I was really quite lonely. I was recovering on my own, and I was doing pretty good. And my husband and I had gone away to Cuba to a destination wedding to, uh, we'd kind of just had, you know, kind of a crappy year and we thought, oh, let's go have a vacation. And it was, I knew I shouldn't go. You know, I just kind of thought, I don't think this is going to be that fun or restful for me. And it was kind of awful. Like, respectfully to all the other people that were there and having fun, for me, I should have listened to my gut that a resort where everyone's partying and drinking constantly just wasn't a good, healthy place for me to be. So I did my best. And when we came home from the trip, I said to my husband, you know, I've I came back more stressed than when I left. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, I, I just need a do over. I, I, I'm uh would really love to go on this retreat that I've been looking at for some time. And he agreed, having seen how I struggled on that trip, he agreed. So we managed to make it happen. And it was so lovely. It was it was absolutely a wonderful, wonderful thing to do for myself. Now I went by myself. So it was quite an adventure for me. I, I have traveled lots for work, but I've never traveled for fun by myself and never to another country where I don't speak the language. So this was a bit of an adventure but in enough that it was a very safe adventure. A lot of people at the retreat went with someone they knew or they met someone there. So you can kind of either go by yourself or or pair up with people and go. But my experience was that, I felt very safe there and very cared for. And because Dawn organizes the trip so that she rents a whole villa and fills it with women in recovery, it's not like being at a resort where there's like trays of mimosas going by at breakfast and pina coladas going by. You're not surrounded by temptation. It really is a bubble and it's a glorious bubble in beautiful weather on the beach in an extremely... Luxurious location. So that I didn't think about that as I was going to it, that I was really going to be in a place that was absolutely devoid of temptation. And that in itself was a break that I didn't know that I needed. So that was really great. There was luxury food. I feel like I'm giving a commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Mm Don's not not paying me to (laughs) say this. It was just so great. Like the food was really beautiful and healthy. There were chefs that made us our food every day. So to eat well, and then Don's daughter um, did the the yoga twice a day, which was optional, but I thought, I'm here, and I'm not doing anything else, so I joined in the yoga twice a day and really, really enjoyed it, and then it's, I. the other thing that I didn't expect was just the exposure it gave me to other women from different walks of life on different recovery pathways, and so it was a real beautiful exchange of information, and mm. so I, I really came back from that trip with a lot more than I expected like I just kind of thought oh I need a break I need to get away from the stresses at home and what it really ended up doing was really fueling my recovery and propelling me forward in a lot of unexpected ways so it was it was a a really amazing experience and I think Dawn was very thoughtful in how she uh, and her team really kind of crafted what the experience is for people that go to them. Well, thank and you for being a wow. fan. <laughs> so jealous. And, I mean, Jean, I, I really appreciate you framing it in the sense that it's safety and not just the devoid of temptation because that's important, but I feel like that exchange of information that you reference is just so important too, that you're finally in a place with people where you can let your hair down and talk about what's really going on for you in your recovery. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we can't always do that. Um, It's not like you're going to sit down over coffee with your coworker necessarily and say, you know, maybe you will, but, you know, probably not. And not in a way with somebody that who really is going through it and really understands. Um, That sounds awesome. And I, I And I, I was shocked at my capacity for talking on that trip, <laughs> I mean it was seven days, and I yeah. kept saying to Don, "I'm really glad you're not charging me by the word.
3: <laughs> You'd be yeah. a millionaire by now." And
1: charge me by the word. <laughs> well, it was
2: awesome. You were awesome.
1: Oh, thank you, and Jean, I think you're you're at a meetup right now, an informal meetup of of people in recovery, right? I am. So maybe actually, they- I've rent seven of us that are only know each other through an online recovery group. Uh, We're sort of all within, you know, several hours of each other. But we we rented a house so that we could go to the recovery day event in, you know, in the area here. So I'm actually at a house full of ladies in recovery. I'm going to – I hope you don't mind. I'm going to do something here because I want our (laughs) listeners to know how much fun women in recovery have. They're all right here. Hang on one second. (laughs) <laughs> Does it sound like fun? <laughs> yeah. A
3: well, little I mean it's a I little just, garbled on our words. end, but yes. Oh,
1: <laughs> we, can, oh that's we get we get the sense of like you know, I, I've been to these meetups, too, and big households of, of people in recovery where you're laughing one second and then maybe getting emotional the next and then back again. Um, it really can run the gamut. It's awesome. And, Don, I'm sure that's your experience at your retreats as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, we, we try to make it a meaningful experience, but we don't want it to be a sullen experience, right? So definitely there are people right. who um, – and here's the thing is – we recognize that not everybody is in a position where they can come to our retreat. So we're we're working on something actually for the next year and uh, the year after that where we're going to be offering scholarships. So we want to make it a little more accessible for people who might not ever really be in a position in the next few years to do something like this. So So there's that. But people come to the retreats and they often... Um, Taryn does this pretty cool thing where she sends out uh, an exercise and asks people to set their intentions. So um sometimes people end up at a retreat and because we're doing yoga and so we're doing heart openers and, and you know, we're actually getting in touch with what's going on for us at you know, at, at all levels, right? Spiritual, emotional, physical. Um, things open up for people sometimes and and fortunately mm-hmm. I I believe, you know, we've we've always got um The majority of women, I would say, well, maybe not the majority, 50% of the women at any retreat um, usually have, like, decades of recovery. So we, you know, we and we, it just turns out that way, right, that we have some people that are relatively new. We don't recommend that people with a month sober come to Mexico on their first sober trip ever. Uh, It's not usually a good idea. We always tell people to ask their support network, and usually the, the answer to that is maybe save up for next year. Um, but yeah, Mm -hmm. things do happen, things do open up particularly with the yoga or we have sharing circles in the evening, we have you know, She Recovers is all about inclusivity and so we don't you know, we don't have women just from one program or another or one pathway or another Uh, it's women who are doing recovery all different ways so we don't have meetings or or anything like that but we do hold evening sharing circles where people get to just kind of take a turn and, and speak their truth of where they're at and so yeah, we can. It can get you know pretty deep. Um, we have when women write their testimonials and provide feedback for us, we hear things like life changing, and, and the parts that are life changing um, are not necessarily the wonderful food and the beautiful setting. The life changing aspect of it has always been in these women's own words, the connection, and it's mm-hmm. the connection with self and the ability to kind of connect with who you really are and open up to other people who are doing the same thing right so um i think that that's what whether it's whether it's a retreat on a on a tropical beach or a workshop or or a get together such as going on you know where um gene is today uh it really i think is about that connection and uh yeah so our, yeah. our retreats are a mixture of like Hilarity, like absolute hilarity and, um, you know, life-changing moments where people say things like, I, I had no idea that there were other women in recovery who, who were doing this. You know, and I'm thinking of a couple of women who came to our retreat just in August and then again in April so August here and April, and actually one of them is sitting outside with Jean right now. She came to Salt Spring. And then a couple of other women there in Salt Spring, as well as Akamal who who are doing recovery for all intents and purposes on their own. You know, they don't go to recovery groups, support groups. They, you know, they they don't have a lot of other connections with women in recovery. But they've established now relationships with women at the retreats, who and they're continuing to kind of build those relationships. But, um, yeah, I mean, recovery is, whether you're kind of looking at a weekend of it or a week of it, regardless of where it is, right? For me, recovery is all about connection. And sometimes that connection is in community, and sometimes
1: it's you
2: know, with one other person. That's what
1: you can take home. You know, you can take home that connection with yourself and with others. That's it's, even if it, it is just a weekend or a week away, you know, mm-hmm. once you have that, it it can it's a seed planted and that starts to grow. Um I'd love to bring Anne Marie in here and, and Anne Marie I definitely want you to tell us about Recovery Day Canada and, and the goals and um what the events are like, but also, you know, maybe if you want to share what your experience at a she recovers retreat was like, since I didn't know that was part of your journey. That's amazing. (laughs) Yeah, no, sure. Um, Thanks.
0: Um, So, yeah, Dawn and I um, connected, I guess just a little over two years ago, Dawn. I'm now I'm like, I'm losing track. It was
2: 2012. Yeah.
0: 2012. 2012. Yeah. So, um, I joined Dawn's page and loved what I was seeing there and I'm trying to remember how what actually got us to pick up the phone and and start connecting but all I know is we we did that and then and Dawn told me, you know, her story and we we did we did that connecting thing which you know, I'm so glad that's where this conversation has led to because to, for me, like addiction that's all it is. It's a lack of connection to self, a lack mm-hmm. of connection to others, and a lack of connection to to the universe or whatever you know, whatever the you know the the life force is that that connects all of us. So, um, you know, when I connected with Dawn, and that's really what it was. From the moment we we spoke on the phone, I knew she was going to be my friend for life. That was it. It was done deal. And I did. I went to the the first she recovers retreat in Tulum in 2012, and it was. It was definitely life changing for me. Um, I was going through um, some real challenges while I was down there. Um, My partner um, had relapsed, and this was the first time that I'd gone away since that had happened, and, you know, I had a lot of fear around that happening again, and the women who were there were just, you know, incredibly supportive, and, um, you know, I made some some amazing connections and friends that I still have to this day, and, um, you know, that's, uh, you know, at that point, we had both Dawn in Victoria and, and, and me in Vic- Vancouver had um, started um, the first recovery day events in Canada, and um, and of course Dawn, as the other Dawn who ended up being at that retreat, is the one who who did the one in Kelowna that you were at today. Um, sorry, who was at The one in Kelowna today? Jean. It was Jean. Jean.
1: Jean, yeah. Jean yeah. Sorry,
0: I apologize. Um, so you know, this is this is what has grown, right? So from Dawn's page to retreats to you know recovery day and it, and in fact Don if it's okay I'm I'm just going to mention that you know Don was one of the original um people who was one of uh faces and voices of recovery Canada as well so you know this this is what recovery uh, I feel brings to 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 what brings to my life it brings incredible women it brings um incredible connections and 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 the network just keeps growing and and the next piece of of the puzzle of my life just gets put into place by um by just, you know, taking taking these, these small steps and, and doing these things. So anyway, the, I'll just tell you guys briefly about about how Recovery Day in Canada got started. And um so obviously recovery month has been happening in the United States for many, many years. Um SAMS has been recognizing that. The services um, administration for mental health and substance abuse, they've been recognizing this for a long time and you know there's been several attempts i guess um since uh since um well since the 12 step movement started there's been attempts at sort of bringing um recovery into the into the limelight both by the founders of aa and and other people after them who tried to to you know get the anonymous part to 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 be dropped not from the 12 step groups themselves but just from the idea of of living in the shadows So there was a person making a movie about this whole movement. His name is Greg Williams. I know you guys have had him on the show before. So we, uh, myself, Lorenda Strang, who is the executive director at The Orchard, and I were sent this trailer to this amazing video for the anonymous people. It wasn't even a movie at that point. It was just a trailer. That's all it was. We saw like three or four minutes of this footage of all these rallies and things that were happening. And Lorinda and I just got goosebumps, and we just looked at each other. We said, "We are doing this. We have got to bring this to Canada." So we we set about set about doing this, and we had very little time to prepare. And um, you know what a journey that's been too—just meeting Greg. And you know, we we phoned him, and we said, "You know, we're we're supporting you," and we 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 gave some money both personally and from the orchard to help finish the movie. and You know, we've built a whole, you know, connection and and piece of my world has has started just because of that movie as well. So, again, it's like all these connections, all these pieces. So, um, you know, Recovery Day grew from those two cities in, in 2012 to... 13 cities last year across Canada, and now this year, 25 cities across Canada. And all, you know, oh. we did it on the same day year. It's amazing, right? It's amazing. I, every, I did. I, I was very lucky this year. I was I was able to be present at four of them. I was in Vancouver, um, Toronto was yesterday, Calgary, and Regina last week, and I, I got to actually witness, you know, this thing that's growing, and, and it's just, you know, I, I don't even know how to explain how grateful I am for just mm-hmm. having... Played a small part in in in, in letting that um, emerge in in Canada and there's lots of and it's amazing how many women it's all women that are picking up the torch right I you know yes. Dawn in Victoria and um, Dawn in Kelowna and and this woman Kelly in in Red Deer and Lisa and and Wendy in Calgary and Laurie in in um, in Edmonton it's almost all women I, I I'm not sure what that's all about but you know I'm I'm just it's incredible to watch, um, to watch something grow. And I, and Dawn, I feel the same way. Like when I joined your page, I remember you were almost at the, it was either 10,000 you were almost at or 20,000. And that was incredible. And now that's 30,000 more (laughs) since, since those two. So that's, I mean, it's just incredible. It's just incredible that the, the people that are being drawn to these things, I think.
1: Yeah. It's all quite organic. like. I love that. I mean, the, there's a lot of uh, decrying of social media and technology, you know, these days. But when it's when we use our powers for good, not evil, <laughs> look what can happen. Um, but I'm just wondering, since I've never been to to one, Anne Marie, what is, what are the events like? What goes on? Well, so we
0: do things, I guess, perhaps a little bit differently than than what's been going on in the states because. Um, there's is more usually what I've seen is like a march and a, and a real rally with signs and you know we we did a little bit of that in Vancouver so basically it'll be a three hour outdoor event where there'll be a proclamation um, by the city's mayor in certain cases we've had proclamations from our provinces and we're still waiting on the big one from our federal health minister that's going to actually declare you know September as recovery month but we're
2: we're very hopeful
0: that that will happen. So you know, within that three or four hours, you'll have some um, people sharing about their gratitude for why they're in recovery. Yeah. You'll have perhaps um, you know a certain you know either sports or or you know in I think that you in Victoria this year they had a a, mu- a musical um, a guest somebody who is you know sort of of celebrity status a little bit and so that you know that's the one piece that I that frustrates me about the movement is that I wish we cared as much about regular people getting sober and into recovery as we do about the celebrities. But, you know, that is that being what it is, celebrities draw attention and, and that can't mm-hmm. be a bad thing. The idea is that we get people to, to come to the event because there's going to be somebody um, speaking that they might recognize. So, um, anyways, people will share their stories, musicians, um uh, you know, for the kids, there's usually some face painting or clowns, things to to just involve the whole family. Because the idea is that it's not just for the people who are in recovery; it's for their friends and families and supporters. And you know, when it, like we say, we, we're not we we get very alone in our disease, but lots of people are affected by it. And of course, when people get into recovery, the ripple effect is beautiful as well. The family heals, and the the community heals, and workplaces improve. So the idea for Recovery Day is that it's not um you know you, you don't have to be afraid of being at recovery day and being seen well if you're there that means you're in recovery it doesn't it's like the event is a is a much bigger um scope than that so that's sort of it what's happened this year in Vancouver we did a march from from one location to another and sort of had a more of a rallying uh feel to it which was nice um, but I think, in you know, what I've tried to do is really just coordinate with the different cities, not really trying to control what they decide to do at their events. But that's sort of been the formula that most people have followed. And, you know, I, I don't I don't know what, what, what the future will bring. I know here in Ontario, a lot of the cities had what they call recovery breakfast, and they would recognize one person in their community for being, you know, um, noteworthy and give them a, an award and invite a bunch of people for breakfast and, and have a, a sort of a, a, a ceremony or an awards of some kind. So, you know, dif- different types of events are starting to to come up, and I would love to see I haven't even told Don this yet, but next year I'd like to um, I'd like to have a kit where people can choose what they'd like to do, and I'd like to present them the option of doing the Real Recovery Film Festival, which is something else that I've been involved in for a number of years, where we show all co- kinds of movies about recovery, and um, and then maybe they could do a concert of some kind with uh, musicians that are in recovery. So I, I want it I want it to expand. I want it to grow beyond what it's been which is you know sort of a three-hour outdoor event i'd like people to have options of what they can choose to do in their city so that's my um that's the plan that i'm hatching for next year but um we'll see how it goes
1: i love to hear the uh the the wheels turning there with all these great ideas (laughs) that's amazing and and i'm glad that you you mentioned the family and friends of addicts and alcoholics and bringing them into the conversation because i i was going to ask about that i feel like that's that's such an important part of, um, you know, deconstructing the stigma around all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I don't want to get off topic, but I, I feel like this is important to bring up when we're talking about recovery advocacy, because, you know, there still can be this fear and misconception in the recovery community that talking openly about our recovery can set us up for relapse, um, and that's that's all kind of baked into the stigma, too. And so just wondering if you can respond to that concern.
0: Well, I mean, it's interesting because I was just thinking about the language, right? To, to me... Um, I, I, I think the stigma exists around the language more than it does around fear of relapse, mm. but I, I'm not exactly, that's just my opinion, you know, so I don't i don't usually even use the word addict or alcoholic when I'm speaking publicly about myself, I introduce myself as a person in recovery or a person in long-term recovery and, and I define what that is for me because, you know, my recovery is, it's, you know, I don't do it alone, but it is personal to me, and I don't define what recovery is to somebody else. Um, so, you know, I think Faces and Voices U.S. has a great, um, they have a great document that speaks about advocacy and, and what what it means to be a recovery advocate, and they say a few different things. One is, you know, long-term recovery is sort of over two years or over five years, depending on on you know a couple of things, but basically after that, you can say that you're in long-term recovery, and and they're, they're they put these stipulations in place that if speaking publicly about your recovery is going to jeopardize you know your job, uh, your financial situation, or your sobriety, then you shouldn't do it. So you know you can't. I would I would say that advocacy um, is is never going to make someone relapse I, I don't think that that's i don't think that's possible but yes you you wouldn't want somebody who's got maybe 2 weeks of sobriety to to go shouting it from the rooftops um you know more so because it's not cuz i think they're going to relapse but because it just doesn't you know the person hasn't even had a chance to get their own recovery in place to be able to speak about about what recovery has given to them and that's really what what I think advocacy is about is describing, you know, how long you've been in recovery, what recovery has done for you, so that when when other people hear that, they start to understand what recovery means and, and why it would be something that they would be attracted to in the first place. So, you know, if I was in, still in my addiction, I'm hearing somebody that's been sober for two weeks, well, that might seem like a long time for me if I'm still in addiction, but the truth is you, I, I want to hear from somebody who's really lived it and, and, is, and is sharing their, their story from a place of... of um, of experience.
1: And and it really gets to what Dawn said before about having that connection not just with other people but with ourselves. So when we really start getting to know ourselves as we build on our recovery, you know, then we get clarity around all of that. Um so I appreciate you taking the time to just comment on that and no, Amanda, I know you've been very active in recovery advocacy work and maybe can you comment on your experiences and thoughts of the benefit of those events and sharing our stories and and, and the whole thing.
3: Sure, sure. I'd love to. Um well one benefit I can say is um, you know, getting active in the community um one of the things that I had the opportunity to do was to attend a recovery language training um down at Cape Cod this summer um and Tom Coder actually gave the training at our um partner Gosnold and um and I got to meet Anne Marie, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it, I mean, what an amazing experience it was! It, it was out of the blue; I didn't know it was going to happen. And you know, Anne Marie um, attended the training as well, and we were friends. We had done the, uh, a show together on the Bubble Hour, and so we connected on Facebook and said, "Hey, do you want to stay together?" And so we ended up sharing a room and hanging out and meeting in person, and it, it was just like amazing. And um You know, jumping back to what Jean was saying about, um, you know, going on the She Recovers retreat, um, I can tell you that early in my sobriety, I I don't know, I was like maybe a year and a half sober, there was a, um, we had a meetup of local people just like Jean is on today that knew each other from an online community and, you know, all of a sudden we made these plans to go to this, uh, to rent a house in Boston and all hang out and there were, I don't know, 15 or 20 of us that were getting together. And I remember, you know, I'm going there, you know, we're signing up, we know each other from online, and then all of a sudden, you know, people were saying, you know, my husband's concerned about me going and meeting these people that I've only met online. And, um, you know, one thing I can say about it is going there. Um, you, it was we. It, it all of a sudden it did strike me like, oh yeah, I guess this is a little weird. It's kind of like you know this. You know it seems it seems like it would be weird or uncomfortable, but we walked in the room and there was an instant connection and it was it was a blast. We had the best you know one of the greatest weekends ever of my life and the same thing happened when I picked Anne Marie up at the airport. And, you know, she got in the car and the whole ride, which was like two hours to the Cape, on Friday afternoon, <laughs> if anyone knows the Boston area, Boston to the Cape on a Friday afternoon and I took a wrong turn and all this stuff. But, I mean, by the time we got to our destination, we were like the best of friends and it was amazing how many times the two of us said, like, me too, me too. And, um, <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's absolutely amazing and, you know, um, in addition to that, like, what it does, you know, for my sobriety um, and, you know, sh- you know, just sharing, you know, like you said, sharing experiences and stories, um, I mean, what you do on a one-on-one basis, like I said, Anne-Marie and I in the car, I mean, I don't know, I, you know, to me, you know, Anne-Marie is a friend for life. It was just this in- instant connection and, you know... Um, sharing with other people, you know, you're helping other people and i it's just the most amazing feeling in the world um to to just have this instant connection with people. It's um you know, for anyone who's, you know, has hesitation if they have an opportunity to do something like this, um it's absolutely amazing. Um I've been to a recovery day event. We had the National Hub was in Rhode Island, which is um near near me last year and I attended that and seeing like families coming there and you know supporting their loved ones and just you know this event that's all centered around recovery it just really solidifies you know you know that we're not in this alone and that you know um, and seeing you know you know seeing little kids running around with smiling faces you know with their you know their parents that are there in recovery, and you know they've probably been through some tough times, but everyone's just happy, to, happy and overjoyed. And I don't know, it's 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 amazing. I'm I'm doing a walk, a rally for recovery tomorrow in Boston, where we march to the state house, and um, they we go and uh, 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 there's several speakers speaking at the state house. To um, it's it's just uh, it's it's. It's an amazing feeling. It just um it just makes for me to me it makes me proud. Extremely proud to be in recovery. And you know, I know a lot of people out there are full of, you know, when they're trying beginning this journey are full of shame. And um you know, when you're around other people that are in, are in recovery, it just it just, you know, you, that shame just fades right away that's that's one of the and you know and there's like a pride that you know we did this and we do this together oh
1: yeah and i mean those me too moments are just so defining and when i think back to when i was actively drinking you know i didn't have any of those connections any 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 me too moments with people and i found it really hard to I was even thinking, you know, Anne-Marie was saying, okay, we've got this idea and this idea and this is coming next and we're going to try to do this. And, you know, that kind of excitement and passion and interesting things to talk about, I didn't have anything like that to discuss of any kind. You know, uh, I I think that when I was actively drinking, the things that I had to talk about were complaining or talk about other people or gossip. I mean, I didn't have anything interesting to say. (laughs) And now I'm hearing all of these fascinating things that all of you are talking about and it's just so much more interesting to be with people in recovery, I think. Um, But, you know, having said all of that, if we're at the beginning of the sobriety journey and we're trying to figure out how to build a network, there are some hurdles to doing so. And one of them kind of seems to me, and maybe this is just me, but it, I happen to have this stubborn blend of kind of craving isolation as well as an insistence on doing everything alone. Um, but I've heard that in other people as well. And I know, Jean, you've often talked on the show about your perfectionist tendencies and attempts to carry yeah. the weight of the world. Um, so how did how did this influence you in early recovery? Uh, well, let me just say, me too. i <laughs> mm. <laughs> experienced that. I... You know, looking back, I have some perspective on it now. At the time, I just thought, this is me. This is how I like to do things. In fact, that was me in the throes of uh, the grip that alcohol had on me. And it was not, in fact, really me. I, I like some alone time, but, you know, I was really, I was cancelling shows. I was cancelling out on social events that I loved. I was really really withdrawing towards the end before I quit. So um it makes sense that, you know, when you when you draw a line and then you reverse and go the other direction, you know, you you're coming out from the corner, right? So I guess maybe it makes sense that when I first started to um when I decided to get sober, that's where I was. I was in this really isolated place and and um I was not willing to face other people. Um, I was willing to reach out from behind my computer, and that's how I um, found information. I I wrote my blog. It is how I chose to get sober, um, was by myself. And I think that there are a lot of women like me who are getting sober perhaps earlier in their descent into addiction because of the resources they're able to find on the Internet because we are able Mm -hmm. to reach out and get help long before we're ready to face another person with it. I think this is a new um, communication tool that is changing recovery, in my opinion. I I think it's revolutionizing. Revolution, help me, revolutionizing. Revolutionizing. I'm not drunk, okay? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it is changing forever how uh how people recover. And um so for me, I believe I would have descended farther and farther. I would have I would have hit a much lower bottom to use that term if I had to wait until I had the strength to um face other people to ask for help, but because I was reaching out like you, um Catherine said yourself online and, and able to do some anonymous research without having to face anyone at first, uh, I was able to sort of climb out from there. So I was six months sober on my own and I was I was succeeding at sobriety uh and I was connecting with people online and I was finding it really, really, really helpful. But but at six months just by chance I happened to uh, meet someone who disclosed that they were in recovery and had two years of recovery. And we had a very brief conversation about that. And that was a pivotal moment for me because I was so excited to talk to a real person about it. I did not know what I was missing. And mm-hmm. I realized, oh my gosh, that's the secret sauce. Like, I got to get me some more of this. <laughs> And uh, so that was sort of when I began reaching out. Can you hear that? Yeah. Sorry, could you hear that? That was my alarm going off, no. telling me it's time to do the bubble hour in Alberta. But <laughs> I'm not in Alberta right now, so my alarm is an hour late. Anyway, uh, it was the experience. It was the uh, experience of connecting with a with a real live human being saying me too. That really, it that was a very, um, it, just a joyful change, and it opened my eyes to the way that um, that real people take things to an, another level. So it is possible yeah. to go it on your own, although I wasn't entirely alone. I did have help from uh, online support, but um, but face to face conversations are just something happens. I don't know what it is. Perhaps Dr. Don Nichol can explain it to us, but something happens when you when you face another person, and there's some some it's it's like uh, it's it's, a, it's a, just a joy and a connection that that occurs that is is really really beautiful and strengthening. Yeah, that was consistent with my experience too, Jean. and you know, Don. You work with women as a recovery coach and and what do you say when I think a lot of um addicts and alcoholics have a tendency towards wanting to isolate and then even entering into recovery wanting to go it alone what what are your conversations like that around around those topics
2: well, I should clarify that I, you know, I kind of say I work as a recovery coach part time. It's extremely part time at this point in my life with the retreats and then my other, my busy uh, research consultant company that I actually I do research on addiction and mental illness and and other things. But I'm not doing a lot of um, practice coaching right now. But what I will tell you is, and what I know and what I use just in my interactions with women who are in recovery, whether that's in real life or online, is. You know, I'm really familiar with the idea, two things I, I think that are kind of keep coming up for me. And one is that, I mean, connection, it's the human experience that we crave, right, is that connection. And I think we connecting with like-hearted people, like-minded people is so important. So I think that's what we're talking about a lot of, a lot of the time here. Um, the other thing that I'm really, really cognizant of and aware of and, and so very grateful for the Internet is that we all come to recovery in our own time. At our own pace, and so, and again, these are just the things that we're just that Jean was just talking about, right? Um, I mean, if, if you're trained in, in life coaching or in therapy or anything like this, people are familiar with something called the stages of change. So you kind of know where people are at and when they're ready, you know, what they're ready for, and whether they're mm-hmm. um, ready to, whether it's they're ready to even admit, you know, that they think they have a problem. If they don't, then there's no point in kind of trying to convince them that this is the right way to recover or that's the right way to recover. Um, what I love about what we're seeing with the various online communities, whether it's something wide open like She Recovers, and, and or something like the the private, you know, very secret groups that so many of us are, are familiar with or members of, is that people get to come in where they're at, and we get to meet with them where they're at, you know. So. Um, I, you know, if there's people listening, there were, you know, there's probably people listening who aren't willing to meet anybody in real life and talk about recovery because maybe they're sitting with a drink in their hand and they're not even, you know, they're just not there yet. And that's okay. And that's what I love about what we're talking about here. And that's what I love about the idea of recovery. For me, it's a journey. And abstinence is a requirement for my own recovery, Um and I, I think we do better when we become abstinent from our drugs of choice, whether it's alcohol or not. But, but I think we just kind of we come to this at different levels. And so we, if we're just connecting by reading what other people are doing, we're still connecting, right? We might not be interacting or even commenting or saying anything or even liking a post for fear that someone might see we liked it. But we're still connecting. Mm-hmm. if If something that somebody wrote or posted resonates with us, That's the beginning of the connection, I think, for recovery. And I think once we've made that connection, even at that level, like, oh, I think I thought that once too, I think it stirs something up in us that wants us to keep going in that direction. Yeah, it
1: does seem to grow, doesn't it? Yeah.
2: Yeah, because for me in my recovery, I had no idea there was such a thing as, I mean, I didn't know that you could talk about your feelings. I didn't know that you that people even had feelings. You know, it was like all this stuff, it's like all this (laughs) really new stuff, right? I mean, I was just numb for like a heck of a lot of years. So it's kind of that whole, um, I didn't know there was a different way to live. I didn't know that I could Mm -hmm. get through life without being loaded. I just, I had, like it's all so new, it was all so new to me, the whole concept. And it was so overwhelming. And I couldn't achieve it. I mean, I couldn't stop using. For years, I played around Mm -hmm. with trying to, um, you know, but it was when I started kind of and for me my first connection was with a person and this is what I think is so exciting. Sorry if I digress, but what I think is really exciting about our society today and it's it's emerging now in North America, but it's it seems like I know more about more of these things in New Zealand. You know, Mrs. D's going without who you've had mm-hmm. as a guest. And soberistas, which is out of the UK but there's members from all over the world, is that there's this like sober living community, right? Which is for people who are who may or may not have like a severe alcoholism problem or addiction problem, but they're choosing to a healthier lifestyle, a sober lifestyle. So that's another kind of another tool that's coming out, right? That that's there for people. I'm um, sorry oh, how many circles I got my I got dizzy and got lost here. But I think it's just so important that that we get to connect, we get to be where we're at with things, and that uh, yeah. connection takes place at our own pace. I mean, unless we're—I think—if we're in serious dire straits in our addiction and our alcoholism, that it's people need to move in and, and give us a hand. But a lot of us are really tentative about our recovery in the beginning, and so right. we have and all then, these safe places. Right, and you
1: places. describe it as being all new, right? It's—it's it's a whole new, <laughs> it's a whole new thing. These feelings. <laughs>
2: These you can't even believe, you can't so even fathom it. And, and for me, I couldn't believe it. Like, I'm sorry, but if I was sitting on the, edge, like, I wouldn't, I would be wondering how we all got to know each other and all this crap we're talking about. I would be wondering whether it was real or, we, you know, because that's where I, <laughs> yeah. like, people don't have this genuine affection for other people if they're not partying together. I mean, if they're not doing deals <laughs> together, what's this all about? You know, they're all full of crap. And um, that's just, I was jaded, right? I didn't know that, human, compassionate connection could exist in the way that it does yeah. for me in, in recovery. And uh, I guess it's magical, right, regardless of when it's happening and where it's happening. And I'm
1: happy to yeah, be a part Mrs. of it. Mrs. D. described it as being sparkly on our show the last time she was here. And it is sparkly. And I, I was thinking about that. You know, kind of new kid jitters. You know, the first time you identify as an alcoholic. You know, the group of people in recovery, or the first time you walk into a recovery meeting, the first time you actually reach out. And Anne Marie, you know, what was your experience like with some of the things that we're talking about here? Um.
0: Well, first, I, I guess <laughs> I'm I'm maybe one of those um. Uh, I, I never really did the isolating thing and I never really have been a, a, a huge um, internet um, and I use it, but I, I don't know. I, I guess I'm, I'm maybe not the the one with, um, yeah, I, for me, I, I, I think that's the part that I will say that I can just relate to. It's just at some point, Asking for help, you know, whether that came from going on the internet and and finding a group or whatever. For me, it was just it was it was asking like another human face to face, and it it didn't come sort of after a lot of. Well, it did come, I guess, after hearing those. Someone else present me with the idea of maybe I was I needed to look at my my drinking um, as being part of the problem of what was going on in my life. But um, yeah, for me, it it, it um, yeah, it was really about the the human. It was more of a human component than than using any of the online um, resources that are out there. Um, but I I do see why, especially for the younger generation, um, you know, t- that texting and Twitter and, and all the social media things that are out there um, may be how how they are communicating a lot more than
1: um, than my generation is, I guess. Right. I think we're all sort of in the same. Universe with the the generational stuff, so it'll be really interesting to see what happens next with the the next crop of, of yeah and it's Dawn. coming up sorry
2: i because i I realize you know I'm talking about the online connection and you know how valuable that is, and i I still think that there's a continuum right, and that for me. I would if if I was working with a woman or like when I do speak with women who are online, I I, I try and recognize where they're at and if I pick up that you know they're going to they're going to message me every day for as long as they need to, but they're not going to go seek help anywhere else. Then then that's okay. But I will always try and you know eventually um, suggest that if you think this is helpful, wait till you say this in front of a person or you know like wait wait until you go yeah. and ask a counselor or. You know, wait wait until you even check out what your local treatment center has for resources. You don't have to go to those meetings that every you know that some people go. I'm not going to one of those meetings. There are other options. Um, but I, I just think that it's so magical. And I remember Jean. If I can tell a little story of you, can I? Sure, it, it's a good I one. I think so. But when I'm when Jean was in Acamal, <laughs> she looks great in a bikini, by the way. Uh, when Jean was in Acamal, it was. Um, Jean, what you disclosed to us at the end of our first sharing circle that evening was that it was the first time that you'd sat in a circle of women, of women, and talked about your story and the power of that.
1: Mm-hmm, that's yeah, true. Mm-hmm. right.
2: And it was, and it's just that it is like the, the part of connection is our stories. Recovery is about our story, right? We get to share that, and uh, the power of sharing it when you're looking into somebody's eyes and they're receiving it is. Mm. For me, like 45 million times more powerful than when we're doing it on the internet, which in itself is extremely powerful. If we've never mm-hmm. ever reached out and told somebody else, I've got a problem. I think I'm going to die. You know, I'm dying from this. Yeah. So it's I don't want to. I'm not trying to highlight. You know, yeah, just get online and let's do it that way. But if that's where you're at and that's where you need to start, and if you can get vulnerable with somebody online like a one on one basis, then do it. Tell somebody, you know, um at yeah. the beginning of the journey. And
1: follow those breadcrumbs.
2: Yeah. But mm-hmm. you know, I,
1: I also hear a little bit in there that, you know, stigma can kinda get into our heads. I know that I had a deep reluctance to admitting I'm an alcoholic, even for the first few months in recovery. I, I just I couldn't say the A word. And mm-hmm. I I might as well just cop to this, that I sort of had this idea for, I think, a long time that I couldn't possibly be sort of, quote, unquote, one of them. Um, And, you know, Anne-Marie, this this stigma and fear that runs so deep, it's it's at the heart of what Recovery Day Canada is seeking to heal. Um, So I'm wondering if you can comment on that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I, I think the
0: the stereotypes that exist around what an alcoholic is, is is a big problem. I know that's what I faced in my own. Um, so once that idea had been presented to me by somebody outside of, like by a counselor, you know, Anne-Marie DeKeefe might be an alcoholic, those words, and then I, you know, I checked in with friends like, do you think I'm an alcoholic? And I asked my husband at the time, do you think I'm an alcoholic? And I got all these resounding no's because, you know, I didn't fit into yeah. that little box of what what they thought it was supposed to be. So I think, you know, actually um getting people talking about what what it is and then and all so I think there's two things that need to change, right? I think we need to shift the the general population's perception of what alcoholism and addiction is so they really actually understand that that it's a disease, that it's not a moral failing and all of those things and how it can present in so many different ways that just because you haven't ended up under a bridge with a brown paper bag and all that whole thing. So that's one piece that needs to change. And then on the other side the piece around what, what it's like to be in recovery. That's not all... Um, yes, church basements may be part of someone's story of recovery but it, there's many pathways to recovery and there's many um, ways to get and be in recovery so I think changing the way people view recovery and what it looks like and that it's not all going to be boring and that's what recovery day is supposed to be about too it's about fun and getting out there and being proud and and sharing you know, and connecting with more think there's so much to that so I think there's stigma on both sides that need to be addressed
1: Yeah, that's such a great point. And and you also sort of touched on something that I think is important too, which is the idea of celebration. And, you know, celebration is something that we're supposed to do with other people. So whether it's milestones like saying I hit 90 days of continuous sobriety or, you know, I have this anniversary coming up or a recovery day celebration, any kind of rituals um, that are helping us release our past, you know, all of that is is meant to happen in community, and, and that's such a beautiful um, you know, part of what we can, we can do. So we're kind of, we're rounding out the hour here. There's always so much to talk about. And and I already just, I feel so connected with all of you. I love it. Um, and, and I am going to touch on, you know, some of the, the, if, if people are wondering where to start, I'll, I'll touch on that at the end, but, you know, maybe we can go around, um, around the group and just share some closing thoughts to encourage listeners to seeking connections in their recovery communities. So, Jean, why don't I start with you? Um, I'll tell you something I learned that came as a surprise to me, um, and that is that um, part of recovery maintenance for people that are already successfully um, in the recovery program involves reaching out and helping other people. That's one of the secrets to staying sober is is helping others. And I did not know that. So what I found was that even with reaching out online, I was shocked, shocked at how many people were really happy to, to comment on my blog or message me or send me tweets to encourage me. I thought, what a lucky girl I am that these people just happen to do this. Now, the fact is, people that are already in recovery are super happy to help new people and they are super mm-hmm. warm and encouraging and they're not trying to like suck you in or anything like that it's that it's so it feels so good to get your life back you you want to help others and so that's something I didn't know was a was, uh, principle of recovery, so I didn't expect the kind of help that was available to me um, at first online and then later as I connected with people in person. So that is is was a, a wonderful surprise to me, and I, I hope it's something that encourages people to know that if you happen to know somebody that is sober, and you just have some questions for them, they will probably be really, really happy to talk to you about that. Not pushy, necessarily, but just really happy to share. Because having Mm -hmm. those conversations helps the person that's already in recovery, and it helps the newcomer, and you both learn from each other. It's not a one-way dialogue. It's really a two-way conversation. So it's not a monologue. It's a dialogue. And it's amazing. So that's something that. I really try to help other people understand, because I think people think, "Oh, no one's going to want to help me," and I might as well just do this alone. To do it's much more enjoyable to connect with others, and and people in recovery are really, really happy to help out. Here, here. That Amen. is true. Thank great. you, thank you for bringing up that service piece, Jean. That's that's a great point. Um, Anne Marie, how about you? Um.
0: I guess I would just the two things I'd love to say is just I love the connection connecting I'm so glad that through uh the process I've met you know I had a great had a great um time in recovery because of the connections that I've made and um you know it it really to me there it's it, it that's all that's all it's really been about is getting to know myself getting to know others and 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 just being open to to new experiences and for people who are who are maybe still contemplating whether they're, you know, they fit here or whether this is really true about them. Like I would encourage them to look at what, what we've talked about tonight, a bit about like the stigmas and, and what, what does it really mean, um, you know, and to keep it. If you think that there's a problem, um, don't worry about what other people are telling you. If you think there's a problem, then there's a problem. And, and don't be afraid yeah. to ask for help, whether it is online or whether it is, um, you know, to another human because the help is there and people will
1: help you. Definitely. And Don, how about you?
2: Oh gosh, I feel like I've already shared so much. I don't know if I have anything left to say on any of these topics, other than um, I guess I would think about maybe the people who are who are listening who are still um, unsure, you know, about or or who are afraid. I guess who are afraid to reach out and tell somebody or ask somebody for help and. I think what really helped me in my own recovery was the day that I figured out that the reason that people, and this builds so well on what Annie and Jean have said, the reason that we want to help other people is because somebody was there when we reached out, and so it is a giving back, right? And that, uh, Mm -hmm. that, you know, we don't want anything from anybody other than to be able to show our gratitude for the lives that we lead, which are... I mean, I can't tell you how amazing my life is, and it hasn't been all perfect in recovery, but oh my gosh, my life is pretty amazing. <laughs> and I did right. I, everything I've got today was I gained in recovery. You know, I was uh, an absolute hot mess when I started this journey. And uh, the other thing I would say is um, from what I recall early in recovery, is sometimes we, we tell ourselves we're never going to use or never going to drink again, and then we just can't stop. And that's usually a pretty good indication that there is a problem and we do need help, but that's always also the time where you need to let yourself help yourself to understand that that's what addiction is and you're not a bad person uh you have a disease and so let those let those things be lessons and just the impetus for actually getting the help that you probably need and don't beat yourself up for the failures as as you will call them i fail you know i failed i failed um yeah just just think about what kind of life you and, and your, you know often your family deserve, and know that it's true. Like you do, you deserve so much more if if you're struggling with um, with this disease of alcoholism and addiction. So yeah, I just the connection that I make with people who are new and trying to figure this out is the most valuable connection I make in my life today, and I, and I have a lot of really valuable connections. But, but it's those, those minutes, right? So I think Definitely. you guys are awesome. I also you. have to say I think you guys are all absolutely awesome, and the bubble hours absolutely fantastic and i i try to pump it as much as i can on she recovers because it's it's one of the most amazing tools in recovery we have oh thank you
1: don oh thanks
2: son and yeah
3: thanks, amanda. You are.
1: <laughs> oh thank you it's it really it's such important service for dean and amanda i think i speak for you as well It. it it helps me sitting here every week and talking to everybody mm-hmm. and thinking about our listeners and making connections over the airways that way. Definitely.
3: And Miss Amanda. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Oh, it, um, it's been a great show. Thank you, Don and Anne Marie and and Jean and Catherine and Catherine for pulling this all together. It's been an amazing show. Um I just a couple couple thoughts. This is just a random thought that popped into my head is <laughs> one when it came to you know going to a recovery meeting and getting to know you know you know walking in that door for the first time someone said to me they said well because they know me they said well it's just like going to a bar without the drinking and I was like oh I can do that. And um you know and that <laughs> <laughs> And um it 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 was enough to get me in the door and um I I I guess that's you know it it brings up a big point for me is um you know walking you know getting um getting a community has been um probably probably the single most important part of maintaining my sobriety, getting sober and maintaining my sobriety, is having a community around me that picks me up when I'm, you know, not, you know, not feeling so good and, you know, keeps keeps me moving forward and keeps me inspired. It's, it's just, it's huge and um, having people that I can talk to about anything I need to talk to is absolutely amazing and, you know, if people are, you know, for the, you know, people who are thinking about this, if you're... Nervous about, you know, walking in those doors, just, you know, realize that the people that you're going in to see have been where you are. Um, there's no story that you can tell that um, someone else isn't going to say me too. You, you know, no matter right. what it is, you can think you have the most horrifying, you know, experience in the world or, or not um or you know oh you know some people will even say well you know i i don't have any of this i just know it's not working for me and i'm i'm embarrassed i don't need i'm embarrassed to go in there because people will say oh you know my my story isn't hard enough I, you know so they shouldn't be wasting their time helping me we all need help we all need help not just with um sobriety but just in life and you know so that's a gift of being in um recovery is that you know People help us, you know, not just stay sober, but you know, help us get through life and enjoy, learn how to enjoy life. And that was huge right. to me, like um, just enjoying my life to the fullest. Um, God, I had something else I wanted to say, <laughs> and I'm, I'm spacing on it. But it's um, it, the it just, just celebrate recovery. It is, it is the best feeling in the world. I hope that. You know, if there's an event in your area, by attending, there's lots of people. You know, even if you're, you know, you're you're not sober, people will say, well, I can't go. It's it's, you know, there's an um, enough people going there that are not in recovery that you can go check it out and just see what it's all about. And it's really about seeing, you know, the peace on people's faces and the, the smile, the the peace in their heart, uh, the peace in their hearts. And the smiles on their faces—that is just—it's um, just—it's moving. It's—it's it's really inspirational. That's really beautiful. Thank you, Amanda. Mm-hmm. And if our listeners
1: are wondering where to start, on our website, thebubblehour.com, we have a link there that says "Sober Resources," and you'll find links to message boards and online communities like the Booze Free Brigade, where you can anonymously ask questions and share stories there are in real life meetings um there's there's a few different kinds that you can find fellowships like alcoholics anonymous women in recovery and life ring and i always like to recommend you know try try them all and try more than one you know think about going to maybe 3 before you sort of decide whether it's for you or not um and that's just been my experience um there are online meetings at intherooms.com so if you're kind of wondering what that's all about you can Dip a toe in online, and blogs like Jeans Unpickled and our sister website Crying Out Now are also a good way to connect. But certainly, um, I don't want to forget to mention again the websites for uh, Dawn. She Recovers retreats can be found at www.sherecovers.co. The next retreat is scheduled for November 15 to 22. Uh, This year, And there's also a terrific reading room link on Dawn's website that provides an extensive list of books for, by, and about women in recovery. So that's sherecovers.co. And you can find out more about Recovery Day Canada at www.recoveryday.ca. And Anne-Marie, I think you've got Recovery Day is coming up in uh, Prince Albert and St. Catharines, Ontario on Wednesday Mm -hmm. of this week, the 24th. And in Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, and Stratford, Ontario, this Friday, the 26th. So it's still happening in Canada. Um, So check it out at www.recoveryday.ca. And as always, we'd like to direct our listeners to our parent organization, shiningstrong.org. There you will find links to all of our resources, including the Bubble Hour and Crying Out Now and Jean's blog, Unpickled. And if you'd like to go directly to the Bubble Hour's website, that's thebubblehour.com, and there you can listen to our shows directly from the website, or you can follow a link to subscribe to our podcast. We thank all of you for listening to the Bubble Hour, and thanks Dawn and Anne-Marie for being here, and we hope you all have a great evening. Good night. Thanks, lady. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night, you. everyone. Good
3: night. Good night.